Welcome to the Software People Stories. I'm Shiv. I'm Chitra. And I'm Gaiti. We bring you interesting untold stories of people associated with the creation or consumption of software-based solutions. You'll hear stories of what worked and sometimes what didn't. You will also hear very personal experiences and insights that would trigger your thoughts and inspire you to do even greater things. Today, I'm in conversation with Yev Kessin, CTO and founder of Demo, digital infrastructure for moving objects with a goal to build something disruptive. Yev has been in the automotive industry for over 10 years and has led engineering and technical products with various manufacturers and suppliers on IoT, connectivity, embedded software, self-driving, electric vehicles, etc. As a car lover, he also believes that we are at the crossroads similar to the moment when we went from horses to cars. In this very fascinating conversation, Yev talks about how he started to code at a very young age and also nurtured his interest in cars by doing a computer science degree and working in the automotive space. And moving to Michigan and working across various departments such as internal tooling, product planning, handling recalls, etc. gave him a well-rounded experience of the automotive sector. As a consultant, he also worked with big names such as Ford, Volkswagen, Mitsubishi, etc. And he gets on to talking about what it takes to think about programming an ecosystem. He talks about the challenges of creating this digital infrastructure for objects that are moving at a high speed, being and staying connected and complying with all local regulations as they move. The difference between earlier approaches of building vertically integrated systems to a more flatter peer connected model. And he shares an interesting story of how a connected car worked well on its trial and in the target location, but when moved to a different city, the kind of challenges that they had to face. Being born in Ukraine, he also shares the understanding, the difference between centralized and decentralized systems. We also talk about where the human fits in when we talk about autonomous vehicles and software controlling pretty much a large part of the ecosystem. And the value of being able to retain personal preferences and custom experiences across OEMs and how that would make the experience much better for the individual and how trust and experience would depend on the developers writing more and more applications on the platform. I asked him about the startup bug that caught him and how the demo team came together. And that is in the second part of our conversation in the next episode. Listen on. I am. Welcome to the Software People Stories. Hi, hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, I've always been intrigued by these connected cars and so many things that you hear about them. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with you to understand your journey into this space and then what are your you know, plans and so on. But before we get ahead of ourselves, uh, let's start with your origin story. How did you get into IT and then probably into the automotive segment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that's a that's a good start. So for me, um, you know, I've been uh, coding since a very young age. I got my first laptop uh, when uh, when I, my dad first came back from the United States. Uh, I was born in Ukraine, so um, he brought one back for me and uh, started playing around with uh, like Lego Mindstorms and things like that at a very young age. 
And, um, you know, it, at the same time that I discovered Lego Mindstorms and programming was also kind of when I started getting into cars quite a bit. And um, that has sort of always stayed with me. Uh, you know, I, having always loved, loved cars and kind of being a car guy, well, I went to college, obviously, for computer, uh, computer science. And after graduation, uh, pretty much, you know, spent my entire career working in the uh, automotive car space. So um, kind of a car guy through and through and also a software guy through and through, uh, which aligns well, obviously, with uh, moving to Michigan, since there's quite a bit of that here. And, you know, I've spent um, I've worked in, I would say, quite a few areas across the automotive space, everything from internal tooling and product planning. Uh, I've worked on GM's internal product planning systems uh, that go 10 years out, uh, handling major recalls. After kind of spending some time on, let's say, internal tooling at GM, I moved into uh, OnStar. And at OnStar, we were very early to the connected vehicle space, as as you know. Um, and where uh, you know where I found my interest is really in the connectivity portion and how you get this remote device that you know that everybody owns and getting it connected and providing a better a better experience to it. And that pattern of, you know, connected vehicle has sort of stayed with me through my career. I, following that, I started a consulting company working with Ford on their autonomous vehicle project, kind of really at the intersection of integration between self-driving or the real world and the connectivity that new, new modern vehicles provide. And after spending some time there, also worked with Volkswagen and Mitsubishi on their connected vehicle program as well. I've always said, uh, you know, the, the theme has uh, has not changed throughout the years, but um, it's uh, it's been very interesting um, applying and watching kind of the automotive space go through this transformation that we're going through now, which is, you know, we're really going from dumb cars to smart cars. And the closest, I think, relative to the time that we're in now is almost, uh, you know, uh, early 1900s where we were going from dirt roads and, you know, a carriage to the Model T. And I truly believe that we're in a very similar time now where the, you know, the car is sort of going from this uh, dumb vehicle driving on a dirt road to this connected, you know, infrastructure on wheels that, you know, that has the ability to travel across the whole country, that has the ability to interact with other vehicles, uh, has the ability to interact with your phone, your home, um, and obviously cities that we live in. Yeah, wonderful. I think this opens up a lot of dimensions. I don't know which, where to start. Uh, as a software person, usually we say that uh, there is a big personal transition that one goes through. Now starting mm -hmm. with what we call programming in the small, when you do small projects versus even enterprise software, which is programming in the large. Mm -hmm. And what you're talking about is programming the ecosystem. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So what yeah. does it take for someone to even start thinking about it? Because it is obviously not a homogeneous ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Even if you talk about different cars talking to each other, probably coming from different vendors, following different protocols, different uh, speeds of evolution. So yeah. how do you even conceive of uh, a solution that would work with so many variable parts? Yeah, uh, I think that's a very good point. And it is... Uh, it uh, you know, the, there is different kinds of complexity in software. Uh, there's sort of accidental and then there is uh, intentional. 
complexity that comes through it. And uh, with vehicles, it's certainly a lot of complexity that just comes along with the fact that it's a real world object that has to move at 70 miles you know, an hour through the real world, um, has to comply with regulations globally. And um, obviously, you know, the connectivity to the internet creates a lot of interesting issues as well. Things I've uh, seen work and things I haven't seen work through the years. So automotive companies are very good at building cars, is what I would say. And historically, they've excelled at that. And software is something that they were kind of thrust into, mostly out of, you know, the rise of the iPhone, the rise of Android, and newer technologies that make, um, you know, that have made our phone smarter, our house smarter. And a lot of the you know, a lot of the ways that they've been doing, were doing things before were didn't, don't necessarily apply to the way that things have to be to connect a vehicle to the internet. And that's something that I've really seen through my experience. Um, I think the most obvious uh, portion of where, uh, you know, homogeneity that you called out becomes very interesting is a lot of regular software space, you know, the Googles, the Amazons, it's um, they're incentivized and they also create uh, very vertically integrated systems, which is generally how also the automotive OEMs have started building a product. So, you know, you look at an OEM, they have their own mobile app. They have their own uh, cloud software solution for connecting those vehicles. They have their own uh, hardware and hardware code in the vehicle in the TCU uh, that, that allows the car to connect. And everything is great until you hit the point of integration. And, you know, as people in software know, integration is, you know, is something you never punt to the end. Uh, you it's, it's something yeah. you have to consider at the very beginning. Otherwise, uh, you know, it might not ever happen. So taking this into account, you know, and I'll provide, I'll give you an example of my time just working with autonomous vehicles specifically. So when I was at Ford, and it's been in the news before as well, we, you know, we launched a, a connected fleet in Miami and, you know, we we're able to figure out how to make the car park, how a user could request a ride, how a user could be able to unlock a car. And all of this was, um, all of this worked up until the point of now do another city. <laughs> and okay. that's where the, the vertical integration becomes a pain. Because in the in the once you touch the real world aspect aspect of things, vertically integrated systems start to not work so well. And the reason for that is every city has a different API. Every parking company meter has a different API. Every city has different regulations. Uh, if you want to talk to another car from another make, that's also another API. So you end up with infinite complexity in order to replicate this in a let's say globally or nationwide even right. And at this point is where, you know, you have to kind of start taking a look back and say, well, I'm not gonna be able to integrate 8,000, you know, different APIs for mobility, for parking, for, let's say, for charging even, right, um, as we move into the uh, uh, electric vehicle space. So looking at how we've solved these things in software before, I think is um, a great, is a, in my mind, how I think we get to a better solution, which is you have to look at things like Linux. And, and really open source projects like OpenSSL. The reason they have stayed with us and really worked for us is because they are really open and they provide some security because they're open and people are constantly monitoring them. But also it's anybody can leverage them, right? 
And uh, tying this back to the automotive industry, actually used to quite a bit, you know, create working groups and create standards that they would all implement around the same time and work together. And uh, I think that's the model that we really need to go back to in order to deliver a connected vehicle that works. And the only unfortunate part that I have seen recently is, you know, everybody is trying to figure out how to uh, make a more vertically integrated API as opposed to more open API. And that's really going to be the difference between us achieving this, you know, connected smart world and a connected vehicle world in any time in the next 30 years, as or is it just always going to be a pipe dream? Tying this back a little bit to my experience as well, uh, you know, being born in Ukraine and uh, having some of the, let's say, background in how centralized systems work versus decentralized systems, it is much easier to implement everything at the beginning in a centralized system. But as uh, as time goes on, um, it, you know, it just doesn't scale. But the I think the the core problem we're facing now is we don't want some other government to build this open source API for the world. We want ideally a democratic government to build this open API for the world and for, that you know connected vehicles can use. Yeah, two questions triggered by this. Yeah, when we talk about autonomous vehicles, connected vehicles, mm -hmm. and the entire ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Where does the human fit in? Yeah, I think that's uh, that's probably the most important thing. So, and I think it comes down to what is the like, what is the value proposition for a uh, demo user, right? Because um, our general approach to this is uh, the way you create an open source ecosystem that an OEM could buy into is actually by giving really good value to the end user who is using the car. So, and we picked v like Demo as a project is actually very generic in terms of what it can support and it could be any IoT device. But we trust, we started with vehicles because one, they're the second largest purchase anybody makes. You know, um, you as car, especially today, in today's world, car prices keep going up. You're spending, you know, upwards of $50,000, $60,000 to get a vehicle. The, when you spend that much money on something, as you know, as most of us have, you want to make sure you're getting one a great car, two you're getting a great product, right? And the I think the most interesting thing that a lot of people may not be seeing that's happening now is all of the software and all the data coming off of your vehicle is not owned by you. And what Demo really allows you to do is own your vehicle and the data coming off of it, which is a large change from the world we are in today where all the, you buy a car for $6,000, but you don't own any data coming off of it. So, and once you start collecting your data yourself, you know, it really enables a whole new ecosystem of applications and a whole new world of possibilities for the user. So one simple example is um, just convenience. So historically people used to keep their oil change records or tire change records and this data is very, very um, like dependent on a, on a person to co collect. Creating a way for a user to automatically kind of attach all of this data to their vehicle so that when they show up, for example, to a service appointment, um, they can actually, you know, kind of uh, tell, the, tell the dealer or the, ser or the service advisor, hey, uh, here is my, you know, my, my car's health history. And here's what it's been through, here's what I've done, would improve that experience significantly for so many people. Because most of the time you show up and you have to explain, you know, we've all been through there. It's like, here's what I did before, 
here's what I think the issue is. And none of it is data driven. And that, that's just almost, you know, crazy in a modern world where, you know, as you, if you compare that to taking your cat to the doctor or yourself to the doctor, you know, they have an entire history of data to leverage in terms of what's going on with your car. But to, but with cars today, we're still going, well, what do you think is wrong with it? Part of, you know, that's the convenience portion. Now, tying this back into also autonomous vehicles, this gets into safety. So we, as we've seen, the autonomous, autonomous vehicle space has a, definitely a trust issue with uh, with customers, right? Uh, people don't really trust some, you know, this robot driving a car just yet. And you can also, in this case, look for how other places have solved it. So the reason we all get on an airplane is because it has a black box. And you know you don't have to trust, you don't have to ask Boeing what happened uh, if something goes wrong. Same thing here, um, you know, we're working on a next generation hardware for demo that will actually support a this, you know, black box V2 essentially concept for vehicles to where it's not just the OEM in the car, it's sort of a neutral party in the car with you that you can trust to see what happens. But I think bet between improving the, like your ability to have the health for your car and the convenience that provides, improving the safety, allowing you to own your data, and, you know, at some point we all have to sell the car. When you sell the car, uh, getting you the best value for your vehicle based on how you took care of it, not how the general market took care of your car could generate, you know, a customer thousands of dollars more in additional, let's say, uh, you know, additional money that they get back, especially if there's somebody who takes care of their vehicle. As we move into the electric vehicle space, I think this is going to become even more important. All of the value in this electric vehicle is really in the battery. And if you can prove that your battery health is um, good, your car might be worth near MSRP. But if your battery is shot, your car might be actually worth nothing. And the and I think the scariest part and the thing that I'm seeing is a lot of people may not be aware of this going into an electric vehicle purchase. One of the things Demo really hopes to do is provide you that very early on. Uh, by showing you what the value of your car is over time and give, uh, showing you how to have better charge habits will get you more at the end than you were able to get today with actual data on how your vehicle is used and performs. Yeah, that's interesting. But what I had in mind was probably slightly different uh, because okay. this comes from uh, you know one of my initial experiences in the U.S. was uh, I used to live in Detroit and uh, driving in Detroit uh, follows one style. Mm-hmm. And then I was visiting Boston, mm -hmm. where you had all these roundabouts those days. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it is a completely different style of driving. Mm -hmm. I would think that uh, probably Detroit is a lot more disciplined. And when you go there, <laughs> expecting that somebody else would probably give way, I would just mm -hmm. wait and people will start honking behind me. So I meant something more like that in autonomous vehicles, the personalities of cities or even the driver, you know, many times we consider the car as an extension of our personal mm -hmm. statement. Uh, I want mm -hmm. this car to show something or you know, to show my personality. Sometimes I may drive aggressively. Sometimes I just want to relax. So mm -hmm. with autonomous vehicles and humans in the vehicles, mm -hmm. do you see anything that uh, kind of blends the two together to increase the trust or increase the comfort feeling? Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, since uh, this since uh, we're both in software, uh, usually uh, trust and experience comes down to ability for developers to write software for 
uh, the platform. Um, and for Demo, I think the way that we're approaching this problem is by creating an open ecosystem for applications to be built that allow these individualized experiences to exist and also to exist across brands. Um, you know, most of us have uh, more than more than one vehicle and you all, you know, you change them sometimes. If you store all of your, you know, vehicle preferences and all of the applications that you like uh, with one OEM, when you change vehicles, that experience will be gone. And so, you know, to give them, you know, if, if you're in Austin, Texas, for example, and you're getting out of a Waymo into, uh, into a uh, Argo AI car, right? None of your preferences and none of your experiences that you like to have in your car will come along with you. Mm -hmm. So for us, uh, I guess, you know, tying it back, it's about the open side of it. I think the important part is cross OEM, but the second more, even more important part is the ability for anybody to build an application. So Demo is a open ecosystem that anybody can join. And it, you can bypass all of the bureaucracy for, you know, essentially that you, you get with a large company and really interact directly with the owner of the car, or in the case of an autonomous vehicle, the actual, the, the passenger of the car. So I think removing the barriers that we have today between having to ask each OEM separately, can I build an app on your vehicle and can I get these permissions to this data will unlock the entire world of personalization and custom experiences that developers can create, right? I, you know, to taking a look at you know, what Apple has done with their app store, you can, even with a notes app, there, you know, there is 16 different versions to have that experience. And it comes down to giving people options and removing barriers to what it takes to build an application. And uh, obviously with what we're doing uh, with, uh, with open source code and open platform is something that we hope to enable. Uh, Demo itself definitely cannot create every experience uh, in the world, same as you know, an OEM can't create every experience in the world. But if you allow people to customize their experience via an open ecosystem, that will allow uh, infinite customization and create new markets essentially for those interactions that you're describing with, uh, you know, with vehicles and having them really be more serving me as opposed to uh, me serving the vehicle, which is sometimes what it feels like in a lot of ways. Yeah, you've been uh, mentioning a lot of things that are being conceived, that have been created by Demo. Uh, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the Demo origin story. You know, what was it that brought you to Demo? Uh, mm -hmm. How did the, you said you were also a consultant. From there, uh, mm -hmm. how did the startup bug bite you? And uh, how did this founding team come together? Because I have a, a couple of questions related to that. We thank Siddharth for the music and Anita for promoting the software people's stories. If you like this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network. If you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcasts at pm-powerconsulting.com.